Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Tomorrow. Hello, folks. Welcome to Cudlow. I'm Larry Cudlow. The Biden administration properly getting slammed for the outrageous cascade of progressive failures, as Guy Benson calls it, regarding the illegal migrant status of the suspected killer. The tragic story of the 22-year-old Georgia nursing student. We will uh, talk to Vivek Ramaswamy about this uh, in just a few moments. We've also got Byron Donalds on deck the strange case of Fannie Willis and her lover with 2,000 cell phone calls and 12,000 text messages also up tonight. But first, still the most awful story. Fox News' Jackie Heinrich at the White House about this uh, illegal immigrant tragedy. Jackie, thank you. What can you tell us? Well, Larry, since Saturday, we've been asking the White House for a statement on Lake and Hope Riley's murder, allegedly at the hands of a Venezuelan national who crossed into the country illegally two years ago. And after announcing the president's plans to visit the border on Thursday, the White House just finally got back to us on our request from over the weekend, saying, quote, we would like to extend our deepest condolences to the family and loved ones of Lake and Hope Riley. People should be held to the fullest extent of the law if they are found guilty. Given this is an active case, we would have to refer you to state law enforcement and ICE. Republican lawmakers are placing blame for this young woman's death squarely on Biden's border policies and those of sanctuary cities and states. The suspect was previously arrested in New York in 2023, but released before ICE could put a detainer on him, according to a spokesperson. Biden and the Democrats' open border policy have allowed this man to come into our country, give him parole, and kill an innocent young woman. And, you know, here in Scottsdale, Arizona, there are Venezuelan gangs, organized crime, breaking into people's houses, using Wi-Fi and cell phone blockers to get around cameras. These are organized criminals. Biden will head to the border on Thursday. It'll be his second visit since taking office and something the White House has repeatedly called uh, a photo op or a publicity stunt when Republican members of Congress do it. Biden will call for lawmakers to take up that Senate bill uh, that passed or excuse me, failed to pass. The Border Patrol Union, which endorsed the border provisions of that bill, is slamming the president's visit, though, telling Fox, quote, Biden's going to the border now solely to try to save himself. Border security should never be about politics. It should always be about the safety and security of this great nation and the American people. The president's reportedly not going to announce any executive actions while he's in Brownsville, Texas. That's expected sometime around the State of the Union. Uh, he previously said that he's done all he can by stroke of a pen. And now officials are downplaying whatever is coming as uh, lesser in significance than what Congress could do if they got their act together, as they put it, Larry. You know, Jackie, just one point on this whole tragic story. You've got two two tragedies here. One one is letting the killer in, in the first place. Okay, you've all, everyone's reporting on that. The second one is letting the killer out without any bail or at any detention in New York, New York City. 
This is one of the Alvin Bragg stories. And I, I just raised it. I don't know if anybody's talking about that, but that's the second tragedy of this gigantic tragedy. How did that person get released in the first place to go down to Georgia so he could um, murder this poor young woman? Well, the, uh, the ICE spokesperson is saying that they were not able to put a detainer on him uh, mm -hmm. because NYPD released him before they could. Yep. That's how he got out. Yep. Um, you know, New York City is a sanctuary city. New York is a sanctuary state. Uh, and that's been a big piece of this conversation as, as it relates to a lot of these, you know, blue cities uh, and lax prosecutors, uh, lax bail laws and you know, non-cooperation with ICE. Larry. Yes, indeed. No, Jackie Henry, thank you. Um, I was just Thanks. venting. <laughs> we appreciate your report very, very Thanks. much. All right, folks, for just one moment, I want to take time out from the horrible and tragic Lake and Raleigh story. Uh, again, what my friend Guy Benson correctly calls the outrageous cascade of progressive failures. Uh, and I do want to say, may she rest in peace and may God watch over her. And I do wish the family the greatest of all Condolences. Okay. I do want to, purposes of our show, want to make another point. Um, regarding, the 19, the, the, regarding the 2024 election, okay, the election year voting realignment that's going on, something the liberal media does not understand or doesn't want to talk about. I want to insert this into our discussion tonight. Look, there's a very nifty piece by my good friend, super economist Larry Lindsay. And it's taken from the database of the Federal Election Committee, the FEC. It shows that contributors to Joe Biden were heavily skewed towards college professors, professional people, psychologists, social workers, scientists, and writers. Now, 93% of college professors gave to Joe Biden. Just 7% gave to Donald Trump. All right, probably no surprise. Meanwhile, the biggest donors to President Trump were farmers, truckers, entrepreneurs, mechanics, and construction workers. Now, the biggest Biden corporate donors, employees of Google, Microsoft, IBM, and Kaiser Permanente, healthcare company. The biggest Trump givers came from Walmart, FedEx, and UPS. Now, this is kind of the new America. This is populist versus elites. This is rich versus middle class. Now, Mr. Biden got a lot of money from the rich, okay? Much more money than Donald Trump ever got. But interestingly, among donors giving less than $200, Trump beat Biden by a very wide margin. So as Larry Lindsay put it, the economic elites are Democrats. The working stiffs are Republicans. Now, my apologies to my good friend Larry Lindsay for publicizing his latest newsletter content, but I felt it was just too good not to share. Larry, please don't be cross with me. We Larrys have to be in this together. Now, one reason I'm raising these points is there's so much second-guessing about Trump clobbering uh, Nikki Haley over the weekend in South Carolina. And people keep asking, can Mr. Trump win independence? Can Mr. Trump win over Haley voters? I'm quite sure he'll do very well in both cases. But people are overlooking the fact that Mr. Trump's key policy issues on stuff like a middle-class affordable economy, certainly the closing of the border, restoring law and order, peace through strength, respect abroad, all that uh, leading to realignment, not just the old static polling 
between Republicans, Democrats, and independents, but realignment. Because of Biden's repeated failures and the woke extremism of progressives in general, Mr. Trump is not only winning over farmers, truckers, entrepreneurs, mechanics, and construction workers, but also black Americans, Hispanics, and Asians. Add to that young people who see Trump as the energetic disruptor of a current political system. Maybe it's a corrupt political system that just ain't working. I call it Trump tough. I call it draining the swamp. And let's not forget Mr. Trump's fundamental optimism of making America first again, again. So I would just say, pollsters and pundits, beware. Trump realignment is sneaking up on you, all right? That is beyond this uh, tragic story of the young woman in Georgia. Now, let's bring in uh, one of our favorites, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, former presidential candidate and now um, hot on the campaign trail for Mr. Trump. Vivek, uh, welcome to the show. I, I want to talk to you about a couple things, Vivek. I love to talk issues with you, not just politics. Um, the first is the double progressive failure. Not only the invasion uh, of these illegal immigrants, uh, many of whom are kidnappers, killers, terrorists, spies, whatever, but also the second part of this awful story is the fact that um, New York as a sanctuary city and Alvin Bragg as a Soros prosecutor let, her, let this killer go. So he goes back down, he comes in illegally, goes to New York illegally, commits crimes in New York, he's let out of jail in New York, comes down to Georgia, and then winds up killing this uh, beautiful young woman. I mean, this is the worst of the worst. I don't know if this story is bottomed or not, Vivek, but this has to change big time. Look, it's a basic test of common sense, Larry. A nation without borders is not a nation. And it is not it's not the cruel thing to hold these people back. That is not compassion. That is actually common sense. And that's what we need to revive in this country, is the basic idea that your first act of entering this country cannot break the law. And if your first act of entering this country is breaking the law, then it's no surprise that those people break the law even further when they're already in this nation. That's not racist. That's not xenophobic. And I can tell you, I'm the kid of legal immigrants to this country, Larry. That's personal to me. You have countless people trying to do this the right way. We are now rewarding all of the people who are doing it the wrong way. And I do think that this is going to be a key issue at the ballot box this November. I'm seeing that traveling this country. I was in Michigan last night. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, or Independent. This is not what you want to see our nation become. And I think that's going to drive people out to the polls in droves this November. And I think that's going to lead us to success. Let me just follow up on that. From uh, Mr. Trump's MAGA circular that he sends out, which has now been widely quoted. Yeah. When I am your president, we will immediately seal the border, stop the invasion. And here's the other one uh, that makes so important. And on day one, we will begin the largest deportation operation of illegal criminals in American history. And then he goes on to say, may God bless Lake and Riley and her family. Our prayers are with you. Um, the deportation side. Uh, this harks yep. back to something Eisenhower did many, many, many years ago. I don't know whether you've spoken to President Trump about this or not. That will be a tall order, a worthwhile one for sure, Vivek, but a tall order. How do you see that? First is it starts with common sense, Larry. If we've had the largest influx of illegal mass migration into our country in American history, then it makes sense. By definition, we have to have the largest mass deportation in American history as well. Now, there are legal tools already available to the federal government. Take 287G. 
That's a provision in the law that says that the Department of Homeland Security and ICE can deputize local law enforcement to actually serve their warrants. Historically, the objection was there's only 6,000 ICE agents. There's a millions, millions now of illegal migrants. About 12 million will have crossed under Biden's tenure. How could you solve that? There's a million local law enforcement standing at the ready. So that's just one example, Larry, of existing tools in the legal toolbox. We don't even really need new laws to do this. We, what we really need is a new president to enforce the laws that are already on the books. And so I think that's what it's going to take, a president with a spine. Yes, new laws can make a difference, and I do think there are areas for Congress to step up. But this idea that a mass deportation is somehow going to be inhumane, no, forget about that. Let's start with people who have entered the country illegally in the last couple of years. Use the existing laws. Say that we're going to do it as humanely and as respectfully as possible. But if we're a nation founded on the rule of law, then we have to be a nation that enforces the laws that are already on the books. And I do think they're going to try to paint President Trump in some kind of wrong light when he tries to do this. But we got to understand this is a moral case for the rule of law itself. And the very people who the left would purport to help are the ones who are actually being hurt by many of these policies. And I think the country will be with him on this, Vivek. You know, I mean, just for all these yeah. this horrible tragedy of this um you know, deceased young woman from Georgia, I think the country would be with them. And I wish we could find a way to go after these sanctuary cities. I mean, deny them federal funds. I'm not sure I haven't thought it through. But look, the blood of this woman is on Joe Biden's hands for his uh, open border policies. But the blood of this woman, unfortunately, is on the hands of New Yorkers. Uh, Alvin Bragg, for sure. Eric Adams, for sure. Governor Hochul. Any of these sanctuary cities that let these criminals come in and are immediately released to go out and recommit crimes or sell drugs or kill people or whatever. There's got to be something we can do here. So far, we're just taking it. We're not doing anything. But somehow there's got to be a plan to stop these sanctuary cities and releasing all these illegal immigrant criminals and murderers. So basic steps, let's just go in order here. First, not only build the wall, complete the wall. Mm. Move our own military to our own southern border. Stop federal funding. Let's start with, we'll get to the sanctuary cities in a second. No more federal funding for Central America until each of those countries has blockaded their own border all the way through the Darien Pass, where you have effectively migrants flowing from Venezuela to the southern border of Texas. Then you come to our own homeland here. Stop every last dime of federal funding for those so-called sanctuary cities until they're also enforcing the rule of law. And then, Larry, this is another one where we can use existing laws in the Constitution as it already exists to say that birthright citizenship does not actually apply to the kids of illegals. Uh. The best border policies of all are to eliminate the incentives to be here illegally in the first place. Mm. And if we end that federal funding to sanctuary cities and we end those other incentives up to and including birthright citizenship for the kids of illegals to whom the 14th Amendment's first words do not apply, then I think we're going to be well on our way to solving this border crisis. This is solvable. We don't need new laws. We need a new president. And I think that's what makes probably this the most vital election issue in November. And I do think it's going to be what leads us to victory. Which brings me to the other point I wanted to uh, chew on with you, Vivek. Um, and that is this realignment that's going on. You know, everybody's looking at the world, Republicans, Democrats, and independents. Will Trump get the independents? Yep. Will Trump get the Haley voters? But I, I raised in my riff... Just to put something else on the table besides this horrible news um, about this uh, late young woman's uh, uh, death, you know, Larry Lindsay's article, you probably know, Larry, the people for Trump 
Farmers, truckers, entrepreneurs, that's you, Vivek, entrepreneurs, mechanics and construction workers. This is a completely different coalition. And you can add to that now African-Americans, Asian-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, too. Um, this is a completely different realignment. The wealthy rich are for Biden. Uh, they're the elites. But the ordinary working folks and the creative people, the brand new money, the new companies, they're for Trump. Now, I don't think the world sees the prism of this election through this new lens, but I say there's a new lens coming. What do you think? Look, I think there's an opportunity for a realignment here like we saw with the Reagan landslide yeah. of 1980 and again yeah. in 1984. And I think that's a special opportunity we have ahead of us in 2024 where we got to make this not just about Biden's failures, but what do we actually stand for as a Republican Party? We stand for the rule of law. We stand for the pursuit of excellence. Then every one of those entrepreneurs, and I'll tell you, truckers are entrepreneurs too. Mm. Every one of those entrepreneurs can achieve the maximum of their own potential with their own hard work without apologizing for their success. President Trump said it well. You know what our vengeance will be? Success will be our vengeance. And I think with that message, I think we bring people along from the inner city to rural communities, black to white. America first, I think, is bigger than just the historical Republican Party. And so I do see that opportunity, Larry. It's not going to happen automatically. I do think there's a complicated path ahead. I think it's unlikely. Personally, I believe that Biden's even going to be the nominee. But on the other side of those traps that have been laid, I do see an opportunity this year to, dare I say it, unite this country. Yes. And I do think that Donald Trump with the America First movement has the best potential to do that. And I'm going to be helpful in any way I can to make that happen. You know, Vivek, just the last 30 seconds, that's exactly right. I think these pundits really underestimate the unifying message of success. As Trump's now, he's been saying this regularly, um, you know, my best revenge is going to be success. He's going to institute new policies. He's going to drain the swamp. He's going to break down these elites who have been milking us all these years. He's going to give us some law and order and make it safe for a change. That's a unifying message. And that's good. That's going to blow up all the polling models of And by the way, you're my favorite entrepreneur. So give me a last entrepreneurial answer. Look, what do entrepreneurs say? You get ahead with your own hard work in this country. Yes. The sky's the limit to what you can achieve. And whatever your God given gifts are, you can achieve the maximum of your potential in the United States of America. That is Trump's message. It was Trump's reality during the first term. And mark my words, Larry, I think the second term is going to make that first term even pale in comparison to the impact it has on this country. And yeah. so that's what I see ahead. I think Trump will actually be the guy to unite this country and revive who we are. And I'm hopeful that's exactly what we're going to see on the other side. Of yeah, November. you got it. As my old boss Reagan used to say, the best is yet to come. But Trump says the same thing and you say the same thing. And I say the same thing. Optimism is a winner. Vivek Ramaswamy, you're wonderful. Thank you for giving us all this time. We appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Thank you. You betcha. Coming up here on Cudlow, we've got another government shutdown looming. Oh, God, another failure in Washington, D.C. I don't know. It's not going to be such a big deal, but I wish Republicans had followed through, passed all 12 appropriation bills. And failing that, let's have a 1% uh, budget cut across the board. Just a nice 1% budget cut across the board. Wouldn't that be something instead of borrowing money or spending other people's money or whatever? Anyway, we got my pal Steve Moore. He'll be uh, here to weigh in. And remember, you can get us here on Cudlow Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. every day right here on Fox Business. If for some reason you can't catch us, please uh, just text your favorite nine-year-old, and she will show you how to DVR the show. I'm Cudlow. We are entrepreneurs.
Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. All right, it's back to school for Congress and uh, here with the new curriculum. Fox News senior congressional correspondent Chad Pergram. Chad, new semester. Larry, good afternoon. So late, so overdue already. Congress was mandated to finish its spending bills in September. There's an agreement on a top-line figure. However, there is no deal on how Congress spends the money. So there's a chance of a weekend shutdown. Well, the government shutdown is not ideal, but it's not the worst thing. It would be worse to exacerbate the problem. The only leverage we have when we have one house of one branch is to be willing to say no, to be willing to walk away. Conservatives believe greenlighting all spending at current levels for the rest of the fiscal year saves money. That prevents new spending. So the right is now pushing a long-term punt until fall. Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer want to use the shutdown threat as leverage so they can write the bill. This is why I support a continuing resolution, which actually is going to force a 1% cut, $100 billion savings. But the military consumes more than half of all money Congress allocates each year. So renewing the old funding is unduly harsh to the Pentagon. Funding runs out this weekend for energy and water programs, military construction, transportation and housing, plus agriculture. There is little time to avoid a shutdown. Part of the problem is that the speaker is very inexperienced. He's never served in leadership before, number one. Number two, I think he's afraid to make decisions because he's afraid to lose his job. He saw what happened to his predecessor, Kevin McCarthy, and he's afraid that any decision he makes will anger one part of his conference or another. We still do not know when the Senate could begin its impeachment trial of Alejandro Mayorkas. It's doubtful it comes this week. In fact, the trial might not start until lawmakers figure out how to fund the government. Mm. Larry? All right, Chad Program, thank you for all that. We appreciate it. Uh, for more on all this, let's bring in my pal Steve Moore, Committee to Unleash Prosperity and host of More Money on WABC Radio, hot show. You know, Steve Moore, a couple things here. One is, uh, well, 
A shutdown is stupid. They may have to do it this weekend. It's, it, it's not economically important, but it's stupid politically. But the other thing is, remember all the talk going back 12, 13 months now. We're going to have regular order. We're going to get all the appropriations bill through in the Republican Congress. And, you know, I hate to say it, but they did. They did not do that, Steve Moore. You know, they just didn't get that done. And I'm just trying to figure out why. They just couldn't get the votes for it. They couldn't come to an agreement. And, you know, Republicans have, let's not forget, it was a two or three seat majority right now out of 435. It's hard to get anything done. And remember, they don't control the Senate. They don't control the White House. So we shouldn't pretend that somehow this very tiny Republican majority is going to change the direction of things. I mean, this is very much related to your excellent conversation with Vivek. Uh, you don't want to take the eye off the ball here. The source of almost every problem in Washington right now is Joe Biden. Uh, Biden is a pathological spender. He wants to spend money on everything. He, he spent $150 billion on, on student loan bailouts, even though the Supreme Court says it's unconstitutional. So I don't want to distract people from that focus, which is if you want to get budget sanity, if you want to get control of the border, if you want to deal with all these problems, it starts with getting Donald Trump in the White House and Joe Biden out of the White House. This is why, Larry, what I support is something my friend Thomas Massey of Kentucky has come up with, and this is now part of the budget process. If you can't come up with an agreement, then what you do is you have last year's level of spending minus 1%. Now, you know me, Larry, you've known me for 35 years. I would, I would take a chainsaw to this budget if I could, but, but at least 1% cut is not spending more than last year. I know, but that and is, I think that right now is the ideal outcome. But it's not going to happen for months. not going to happen until April or May, I called her out. It's not going to happen until April or May. And the thing is, I don't understand. Well, just pass a continuing resolution. Well, but you see, here's the other part. The continuing resolution will be, in effect, more omnibus spending bills, Okay. And I thought we I didn't want to do omnibus spending bills because you get these 1,000-page bills or 2,000-page bills, and nobody knows what's in it. It's antithetical to taxpayer interest. That's yeah, all. I mean, I'm, I, I know no, all about right. the other issues. And the 1% cut is a lovely idea, but you're not, it's, it's not going to happen. I mean, the, the last two CRs ignored it. The next few CRs will ignore it. it I, I checked in with the it's leadership the land staff. It. it won't happen. It's just not going to happen. I know, happen. but it's the... It's the, okay. I'm just telling you, it's the law of the land. That's what they agreed to in last year's budget deal. Was that if they couldn't come in agreement by cut know, it by one percent? But, but, but you're making a larger point, Larry. But here, which is this: we have a completely broken budget process. Yes. This is the last time we wrote the rewrote the bills. Uh, you know, the budget process was 1974. If my math correct is correct, that was 50 years ago, Larry. That was written by the liberal Watergate Congress, and the whole, whole intent of that budget process law was to make it easier for Congress to spend. So let's get back to, you know, you and I agree. How about giving the power of empowerment, empowerment to the president? Empowerment. Every, Empowerment. Yeah, this is a great idea. Impound if, their yeah. tuchuses off. Impound their rear ends yeah. off. That's what you do. <laughs> and you leave go. all this legislative BS. Just impound, impound, impound. It yeah. may not solve every problem. Larry, it would make me feel good. You, I got to get out. I got to get out of here. You, I got to get out of here. Uh, Steve Moore. Franklin I'm, Roosevelt used it more than I'm any other with, president. I know. Well, we're all for FDR sometimes. Not exactly. <laughs> Steve Moore, thanks very, very much. Appreciate it. All right, folks, coming up here on Cudlow. The Fanny fiasco. God, 12,000 text messages, 
2,000 cell phone calls. This all happened before they were supposedly having a romantic relationship with her favorite uh, prosecutor who was not qualified. Meanwhile, there's now a Democratic operative from the White House who is calling the shots. This is a fiasco. We got Rich Lowry, Alec Lace, when Cudlow returns, and pound and pound and pound. Let President Trump just do it. All right, here we go again. The Fanny Willis fiasco growing worse by the day. 12,000 text messages, 2,000 calls. That's uh, cell phone calls. And a Democratic operative calling the shots. Oh, my goodness. Our own Steve Harrigan standing by in Hotlanta with all the story. Steve, this is a real soap opera. Kind of loving it. It's tough, and these defense attorneys are trying to get these cell phone records from Nathan Wade, the prosecutor, admitted to the court as evidence. And the numbers are remarkably high, more than 2,000 phone calls, 12,000 texts and messages. And they all come uh, before, they say, Wade was hired and before Wade and Willis both swore under oath, before their relationship even began. It also places Nathan Wade around Willis's condo on at least 35 occasions, sometimes arriving at night, leaving in the morning, and yet Wade testified under oath. He never spent the night in this condo. The phone records were to reflect that you were making phone calls from the same location as the condo before November uh, 1st of 2021, and it was on multiple occasions. The phone records would be wrong? If phone records reflected that, yes, sir. They'd be wrong. They'd be wrong. Defense attorneys also making the accusation that this entire case is being run from the Biden White House. They want to know what went on on multiple meetings between Nathan Wade and White House officials. They're trying to get the information about what was talked about during those meetings. Larry, back to you. Steve, any sense when the judge going to make a decision on all this? He's got a hearing March 1st. He's going to hear final arguments. It could be sometime after that. All right, Trug. Steve Harrigan, thank you very much from, uh, from downtown Hotland. All right, join me now to chew on this one. This is a wonderful story. Rich Lowry is editor-in-chief of National Review. Alec Lace is host of the First Class Fatherhood podcast. Uh, this guy, Nathan Wade, must be very insecure, Rich. I mean, 2,000 cell phone calls. I think this is <laughs> 12,000 12, text messages. I mean, you know, I, I love love. I mean, I love my wife, my saintly wife. But if I ever hit her with 12,000 text not, messages. Not that needy, huh, Larry? Not that needy. I mean, and now they're trying to deny everything. And this, the, do the cell phone towers lie? That's the one yeah. way to look So it looks as though they're, they're desperate to say she hired her him before there was any relationship just because he's a good prosecutor and a good lawyer. And then this relationship, love happened, you know, in, in, happened, in, right. in the office. But it looks as though we'll need to learn more. But it looks as though the phone records really belie that. And the name of the game here, Larry, as with all these cases, is timing. You know, whether she stays on the case or not doesn't matter that much. It's whether it can be delayed. They want to do this thing in August, right? They, they want a presidential candidate for a major party to be sitting in a courtroom in Atlanta in August and September. Well, he might, you know, suppose he's going to be sitting in other courtrooms as well. This whole thing is so disgraceful. It's un-American. None of this should be happening. He's going to have to pony up half a billion dollars just in New York to keep appealing those cases. Eighth Amendment. Could he, you know, he could raise the Eighth Amendment, take it all the way up to the Supreme Court. I don't know if that's possible, but he could. Alec, on the other hand, um, look, you want to know the truth. I don't care. 
if they had a romantic relationship or not, to be honest with you. It does bother some uh, judicial types and lawyers. I'm not a lawyer. I don't care. I do care, though, that they lied. That's the part that I cared about, and that's why I think they should be disqualified. And what seems to be happening is all the additional evidence shows that they lied. Both of them lied on the stand last week or the week before. That bothers me. They lied and they're in denial. That's all. They're going to deny, deny, deny. That's the game plan here. But that, that, this adds up to like 25, 30 text messages a day, five, six phone calls per day. Come on, this is ridiculous. Fanny, uh, Fonnie Willis, she made her bed. Everybody's been sleeping in it. Who knows who else she's been texting? If she's texting this guy 12,000 times, there's probably a laundry list of other people. We know she keeps a pile of cash in her house somewhere. Now, obviously, she needs it to pay for this phone bill, because I remember back in the day, you needed to, you needed to worry about the minutes. Call me after 9 o'clock. Nights and weekends were free, all right? She's got to have some monster plan here. <laughs> Again. I, I mean, he's very needy, this guy. Rich is right. You would have time. Would you be able to do anything else? <laughs> <laughs> but again, I don't care. If he wants to just text her all day, 24-7, that's fine. Just don't lie about it. And I think that's what's going to happen here. I think the judge, the judge is a Democrat, too, but I don't know. I think the noose is coming in. The other thing that's a bad story is Breitbart broke this this afternoon. Um, I think Breitbart's good reporters. Um, this chap, Jeff DeSantis, longtime Democratic. No, no um, relation to the Florida governor. No relation to the Florida governor. It's very important. It's D.I. Santos, not D.E. Santos. Uh, he's the deputy district attorney, but he's had every he has worked for presidents, governors, senators. He's a campaign war horse. He's the White House person in her operation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a link. I mean, again, I can't prove it, but we know there have been reports that the White House was coaching Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade about this. Is this DeSantis thing? This could we'll, cement... We need to learn, learn more, but the way I think about it, let's just say the polling was the opposite the way it is now. And every single poll said if that Trump was convicted, convicted of a felony, he'd be more likely to beat Joe Biden in November. All these cases would go away. They <laughs> all would go away. Yes. They're right. doing it knowing that this will hurt him. Even if it doesn't hurt him in the polls, it's draining resources, it's draining time... And that's why this is all happening. All right. Uh, let us move on. Alec Lace, can Donald Trump win over independents and Nikki Haley voters in the general election? That seemed to be the, the hot topic over the weekend. Not that he clobbered or 60-40, but can he win over independents? All right, fine. They're all good questions. What do you think? Are there really any Nikki Haley voters? I mean, I think most of these people are Democrats that are supporting Nikki Haley, so I don't think he's going to have a problem. This is Trump's party. This is Donald Trump's party going forward. He's going to win this but nomination. In the general, but in the general election, yeah, uh, how will he do with independents in the general election? I, I think he's going to pick them up. I, I don't think there's any true Nikki believers out there. I, I think he has no problem scooping up the people out there. They're going to see. You got to remember something, uh, Larry. Donald Trump didn't just win these primaries in Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. He broke records in all three of them. This is a dominating performance by President Trump. So it's either get on the Trump train or get stuck with these Nikki Haley. I don't even know who these people are that are supporting her anymore, but. I don't think he has a problem picking them up. All right. I'm going to ask the same question to you. I want to add one thing. Um, there are statistics out. The turnout, the Republican turnout in South Carolina on Saturday was apparently significantly bigger mm -hmm. than the Republican turnout in 2016 mm -hmm. when you had a real horse race yeah. with um, Ted Cruz and um, Marco Rubio and so forth. Now, so there's an intensity thing going on here that... I don't think pundits really have picked up correctly. Yeah, so this is, this is the, the, the big thing with Trump. 
turnout, the intensity of his base, which no other Republican can match. If you're a Republican in the suburbs, you're kind of hurting now because kind of the, the high propensity voters tend to be Democrats now in the suburbs and uh, other places. But when Trump runs and is on the ballot, it's a different proposition. Mm -hmm. But he's going to need to win, win independence. Polling, a lot of polling, general election polling shows him winning independence. But that's one of the big differences. 16, he wins independence, wins the presidency. 2020, he loses independence and loses. Alec, um, we were talking earlier about an interesting article by my pal Larry Lindsay about how the Republican Party has changed. And the Republican Party is now made up of not the elites, not the well-to-do, farmers, truckers, entrepreneurs, mechanics, and construction workers. Now, uh, my production team, we, ha we checked your boxes at least five times for these new categories. <laughs> farmers, truckers, entrepreneurs, mechanics, and construction workers. But... The point is, there's a realignment going on. You could add to that black Americans, uh, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans. You could probably add to that younger people who don't get enough credit. There's realignment. And the Democrat, Republican, Independent, check those boxes, may not be telling us anything we need to know about the outcome of this general election. Well, also, too, you've just seen the Teamsters made a large donation yes. to the RNC, which yes. is historic. That hasn't happened in decades. Now, I've been working for the railroad as a mechanic for 24 years, Larry, and we're seeing it there. I'm seeing in all those boxes you just mentioned with the different uh, backgrounds and, and races and creeds. They all exist in a big melting pot on the railroad. And the shift has been monumental mental this year towards we're going Trump this way, because no matter what you're making and you're bringing home, it doesn't make a difference if you're getting a raise, if everything you're paying for is skyrocketing. So everyone sees what's happening right now and they want something changed. They're not better off now than they were four years ago. And that's what's going to bring them out to vote for Trump. Is it true you were cited at McDonald's over the weekend <laughs> and that your whole cash wad was blown? McDonald's drive through two orders of large fries and a large shake, $17. <laughs> I love McDonald's. I think it's one of the great institutions in American life. It's the first time ever in my life I've gone to McDonald's and felt ripped off. And it's because every food is just, the price is higher, and everyone feels it, right? And it, it, it means your paycheck is worth less than it used to be, and that's not something anyone's going to forget. There you go. It's the affordability crisis. Hold that for your next column. It's a very interesting <laughs> point. Rich Lowry and Alec Glaze. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank Thanks, you very man. much. Up next, we've got Florida Congressman Byron Donalds. He's going to talk to me about life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and the breakdown of the progressive model. Every place you turn, the breakdown of the progressive model. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. I want to continue the conversation about these progressive failures that are just destroying the country with my good friend, Congressman Byron Donalds of the great state of Florida. Byron, thank you for coming back on. I mean, you know, progressive failures, Guy Benson was talking about that. You know Guy Benson. He was talking about the horrible, horrible story about the young woman, the late young woman who was killed in Georgia. But the guy came in from Venezuela illegally. Then he uh, commits a crime in New York, and they release him because of these progressive judges and George Soros district attorneys. And there is no law and order because of the progressives. And we have a woke culture because of the progressives. And we spend and borrow too much when we have inflation. Rich Lowry was just here talking about a $17 bill for a McDonald's milkshake and French fries. People can't afford to live in the Biden economy because of the progressives. And my thought, Byron, is just to make things real simple, because I'm a very simple person, I think this country is going to vote against progressive policies across the board. 
I agree with you, Larry. I think, look, the progressives have been wanting control. They've been wanting to institute their policy agenda in this country for decades. And through Joe Biden, and I will also add, starting with Barack Obama, but with Joe Biden, they've been able to accomplish a good portion of it. And it sucks. It's terrible, Larry. Look, immigration policy is the one that everybody can see. The tragedy that happened in Georgia, uh, but also the tragedy that's happening all over the country. We've had now 200,000 people die from fentanyl overdoses because of Joe Biden's progressive policies. There are young girls who are sold into sex slavery every single day by the drug cartels because of Joe Biden's reckless policies and these progressive policies. You have situations where there are migrants who have died in the back of tractor trailers down in Texas because of these terrible progressive policies. They do not work. They just breed destruction. They breed death. And they overwhelm cities. Every major city, including New York, is now overrun and overwhelmed. You know, Larry, these policies, what does this mean in the life of a young child growing up in the inner city? Um, the progressives locked them out of the classroom for a year to two years because of COVID-19, ignoring the realities that kids are far less susceptible to the worst elements of COVID-19. They kept them out of a classroom. Those kids fell behind. And now when they're back in the classroom, finally, Joe Biden and the radical Democrats put migrants in these classrooms. So these kids now fall further behind. None of this stuff works. And we just talked about one policy, Larry. We haven't gotten to the rest of them. Well, of course, I mean, look, uh, whether you call them liberal or progressive or ultra-liberal or radical, I mean, this vast spending and borrowing, which has caused inflation, which has made the economy unaffordable for typical working families and for low-income families and, frankly, for black American and Hispanic families and Asian families. It's made it... You can't live here. Then, of course, there's no law and order. The education system has deteriorated. The culture has been completely impeached and destroyed. People don't even teach history anymore. And the border every Day. Every day is another border story. People are getting killed left and right, either from murderers coming across the line or drug smugglers or you name it. I mean, I think, you know, Byron, this is not going to be about Democrats and Republicans independents. This is going to be about liberals and the failure of their ultra progressive policies. And that's going to break through in a complete realignment, which has been one of the themes of this show. Larry, I totally agree with you. Uh, look, you have a situation where, where what people really want is common sense. Yes. So much was made yes. about President Trump's speech in, in, in South Carolina Friday night. I was there. I was on stage with the president. A lot of what he talked about were common sense policies. You know, not so much even being conservative, just being common sense. Yeah. Let's do the things that we know work in this country, and then we can figure out the other issues that, that happen just through normal, everyday life. Like, we're on Fox Business. Larry, you have a great show. Let's talk about bank capital for a moment, something that most people don't focus on. The I, Treasury Department and the Fed, they want to raise bank capital. Well, what's that going to do? It's going to make it harder for small businesses to raise capital, Larry, and raise loans and get I money into their Still can't get it out of my head, so I would just say, may God watch over Lake and Riley. May that wonderful girl rest in peace. And somehow may we once again close the lawless border. <laughs>
I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.